Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Holy cow, Beth. This is like a textbook. I know. I don't know what I... These are probably like my notes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we're, we're kind of... The, today's episode i'm excited about today's episode because we're, we're talking about quality of life but we're kind of like weaving this one into we're doing of something life. unexpected with it yeah because i think it's important I, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the role philanthropy can play in providing survivors a higher quality of life after treatment yeah i think most people think oh when you give or you get involved with an organization it's really like helping the recipient yeah but the giver yeah like I have found that it's cathartic. It's so cathartic. <laughs> it's so helpful in yeah. healing whatever wounds you have. Yeah. Giving to other people. Yep. And we don't talk about it enough as a society, I don't think. Yeah. So I want to know what's the what's the last thing you gave to? So I was just thinking about this because I didn't want to be put on the spot. The last thing that I gave to, I think somebody was I always I'm kind of a sucker for I mean, I'm in a women's networking group and Mm -hmm. we do they do a like, oh, so and so's daughter is this and we're getting funds together to get them take out meals or like there was a firefighter, unfortunately, that recently died in St. Louis. And like I I, if somebody puts their Venmo and they need help, I send money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's kind of an unwritten thing, like between Eric and I, like it doesn't matter how much money is our bank account. Like I'm sending money and he's always like, yep. Yeah. But I think it's because we've been on the other side of that. Yeah. And every so, little bit matters. Yeah. So my son is in a robotics mm-hmm. after school activity. And his teacher's just really kind and takes a lot of time with the kids and mm-hmm. sets all this stuff up. And, you know, one of the moms was like, I would like to get him a gift card for doing that. You know, uh-huh. can everybody yeah. Venmo five bucks? Well, yeah. of course, yeah. you know, like, of yeah. course, you're going to Venmo, you know, five or ten bucks to, you know, just stuff like that happens yep. all the time, especially when you're like parenting. <sighs> yep. Besides that, I think I just rounded up at the register. I can't say no to that when they're like, do you want to round up to help? children (laughs) children in need or puppies or i'm always like yes it makes accounting easy and it i mean i just everybody i'm like it's literally you're rounding up a few cents it's a few cents like i want to know the people that say no to that yeah all right so today we're going to talk about how we grew up in regards to our family's attitude about philanthropy we're going to talk about the science behind giving yeah and an easy way to identify a way to serve that helps yourself as well as others awesome but before we do that let's cut to our first sponsor Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website 
at www.coldcap.com. Okay, and we're back. So I want to know how you grew up, Sarah. Was your family philanthropic? I feel like it depends on how you define philanthropic. So I, what I remember most about giving, and I say air quotes giving, was my parents tithed like religiously every Sunday, mm-hmm. my parents and my grandparents. And they encouraged me to do the same with like my allowance and when I started getting paychecks. But I think more than anything outside of just giving money, I remember literally being at the food bank all the time and looking forward to going with my grandparents. My grandparents were regulars volunteering with the food bank. We would bag cereal. We would put labels on cans. I remember I I used, I used to wear glasses when I was younger and I would come home and my glasses would be covered in sugar because <laughs> we would be like scooping with the big giant scoops to uh-huh. put in the bags the cereal. So I that I feel like is was very philanthropic and so we we played a big part in that so yeah yeah what about you um no oh okay. i mean <laughs> well they're my, all right then. so my family my, my parents and stuff are very philanthropic now but it uh-huh. came later for them in life but i don't believe they were raised in very philanthropic homes yeah and i when i was younger i mean my parents always cared about people obviously mm-hmm. but i think they fell into the trap that most people do which is just that they had busy lives and they prioritized i will tell you this my mom and dad prioritized their family, you know, yeah. like they're they're they prioritized their family. And if anybody within the family needed help or assistance, they were there. Mm-hmm. I think looking outward into the community for them came much, much later. Mm-hmm. But what I think it's kind of speaks to is that there's kind of generational patterns mm-hmm. that emerge. And I've noticed that the most philanthropic families come from a long line of family members who made it a priority in their family life. So Mm -hmm. if I had to guess, I bet my parents have regrets about Mm -hmm. that, that they wish they would have incorporated more of a philanthropic view in our house. And just knowing how, you know, giving they are now, I would Mm -hmm. guess that. But growing up, I think it was more just about keeping it within the family and helping Mm -hmm. each other, Mm -hmm. not necessarily looking outward into the community of Mm -hmm. how we could serve other people. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So what was your first opportunity to serve? Do you remember it? Was it was it what you just mentioned? Yeah, I feel like that mostly growing up. I remember when Katrina, Hurricane Katrina came through Mm -hmm. and my grandma was working closely with her church to try to figure out who was going to go help at Katrina. And I was thinking that it would be fun to step away from school to go help with Katrina. But I think another part of me was like, wow, it would be really neat to create an impact in in an area where these people have been devastated. So, yeah, but no, I did not go. I also went to summer camp with church a few times and we would paint houses and we would do projects in the community that were giving back. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was through church that was very giving. Mm. Yeah. Philanthropic. My first. So do you remember service hours when you were in school? Yes. Having to have service hours. Yeah. I thought that was like when you were in trouble, though. No, no, no. Like, well, I don't know. Maybe that's that's community service, Sarah. Oh, you mean like service hours? Like I went to a private school and it was like you had to have so many service hours, which meant you had to do philanthropy to meet those service hours. So I forget how many hours it was, like 20 hours of of volunteer work was required, I think, before you graduated from eighth grade or whatever it was. Hmm. I don't remember what grade it was, but I do remember. So I. I and a friend, we went to a nursing home Mm -hmm. and we went to like the memory care unit, which Mm -hmm. is like the saddest unit of a nursing home. Or it's sometimes the happiest. I mean, it's sad because of the situation. It's all about your mindset, but it's (laughs) it's sad. It's sad. 
it's sad to watch what they're going through, but they're usually like usually in a good mood. Yeah. Because they don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what we were there to do was to help feed them. Uh-huh. You know, like, so when you have, you know, when you're down that path, of, it was like the the, the dementia, right? Like yeah. the Alzheimer's and things mm-hmm. like that. And so we would feed. And there were humorous moments. Like, I remember there was this woman named Irma and mm-hmm. everybody would just be like, oh, my gosh, because she was so crabby. Yeah. And I would I was tasked with feeding her. And she got so mad at me one time that she, like, pulled her teeth out and slammed them down on the table. <laughs> But wow, that was defiant. I'm not eating. I, I actually really loved her moxie. Yeah. And I'm like, you go, girl. Like, yeah. I feel you. Like, yeah. who wants to be told what to do? Right. I don't care how old you are or how yeah. many memory problems you have, right? But that was my first opportunity to serve. Mm-hmm. And it really cultivated in me a love for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Like, I... My, my husband is always kind of in awe because when we have to visit somebody in memory care or we go into like, you know, the advanced stages of a nursing home, it can be a scary place like yeah. or, you know, just uncomfortable for some people. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love learning about people's histories. I love learning, mm-hmm. you know, about their lives. I love there's just something I think sweet about it. It's like the cir- yeah. the circle of life. Yeah. That was my first opportunity to serve where I remember thinking like this feels really good. Yeah. To be of service to somebody who can't do this for themselves, yep. to to see people in a fragile state mm-hmm. and be able to do something to alleviate that, even if yeah. for just a moment. I think it's hard to walk away from any kind of situation where you're helping someone else and you go, mm, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like you always walk away feeling good. I mean, I, yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of like the way it is, right? Like yeah. that's just, I mean, isn't that just the epitome of love? Like love yeah. always produces fruit. Yeah. Whereas, you know. Yeah. That's the only emotion you can say that about. Yeah. But like kind of we talked on it a little bit, but I think families either have a culture of giving or they don't. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a conversation with a nurse early in the inception of Faith Through Fire and she really left an impression because she was over the volunteer program for a hospital and, and clearly had a heart for patients, even though she had not had breast cancer herself. And I asked her where that that drive and that passion came from. And she said, I just always grew up in a house where it was expected that we give back. She's like, it was not unusual for me to come home and there'd be a homeless person sleeping on our couch. <laughs> I mean, they they really <gasps> nice. She's like, my mom and dad had people coming through the house all the time. She's uh-huh. like a wayward teen, you know, a homeless person. She's like, it was just constant. And mm-hmm. she's like, we grew up with this idea that you give back to your community. You help those that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a great legacy, you know, to impart on your kids. And it really made an impact to where now I'm always looking for opportunities for my kids to help mm-hmm. and serve. That can be difficult because a lot of times like volunteerism is like for a certain age and yeah. older. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just think that that's really neat. bag cereal and tape labels on the cans. That's right. Whatever you can do, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I I just think that, you know, we kind of live in this me culture now. Do you Mm -hmm. think, do you feel that way? I do. Is that a sign of us just getting old? I feel like I'm starting Mm -hmm. to say things like those kids these days. No, I don't think so. I just think, I think it's the culture, it's the society, it's what's around us. And it's what, I just feel like we're so much focus on, on us, like. I I had a pastor once tell me that we're just a bunch of professional consumers. Yeah. And I was like, and he said, you know, we're just always taking and never giving. And I thought, oh. Like- we, we just, so we just recorded a an episode for the exclusive podcast uh, that you can consume if on Patreon or on our Mighty Network. And what we talked about was the mindset of lack and our society basically tells us if we don't have something, then go get it. 
Right. It's like that you d- you don't want to feel like you're losing something. You want to feel like you're gaining something. So mm-hmm. you just like it's easier to not give. Right. Because you you're mm-hmm. like, well, I need that money for yeah this or that. Yeah. And it's like I need it for. Yeah. You know, you can always think of all the reasons that you need it yeah. more than you should give it to somebody else. I remember we got more back on our taxes one year than I thought we were going to. And my husband, we went to breakfast at the shack which is actually it's like our place Mm -hmm. so it's a little plug for the shack (laughs) and they were doing a fundraiser for a backstoppers which is really near and dear to both of our hearts because backstoppers supports first responders and my husband's a fireman and he was like we should give that extra money that we weren't even counting on to backstoppers and i was like i mean but we have debt and we've got stuff and i think what is really cool about like when you when you do give back it's Maybe this is the way I think about it, and it's like karma. But when you help others, mm-hmm. it comes back to you tenfold. I 100% agree with that. And it just, I, I 100% agree with that. I actually had a friend, I remember she had a similar situation. She got an unexpected bonus for work, and mm-hmm. it was significant. Mm-hmm. And she felt like she was supposed to donate it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, you're like, oh, what could I do with but this? But she yeah. did it. She yeah. did it. And then the next week, she got called into her boss's office and he was like, we think you're doing such a great job. She, he's like, we're going to give you a salary increase. And it was for the exact amount that she had been. Wow. That she had, Ooh, given, that she had given away. Yeah. So she was telling me the story about, you know, just when you do, mm-hmm. you know, for her, it was her faith. Like when you trust yeah. that it's going to reach the right person and yeah. help, then it'll be, you know, given back to you tenfold. Yeah. And that's kind of what she yeah. felt like. But yeah, I feel like we do kind of live in this culture of me, me, me and always taking and never it's never enough. And mm-hmm. I wrote a blog post once about a book. It was called The Self-Esteem Trap because I was like really worried about raising my kids in this me culture. And I wanted to, you know, impart on them the importance of giving. And she kind of gives this advice on how we can make sure that our kids aren't professional consumers. And it surprised me, but she said that the biggest thing we can do is preventing our kids from experiencing adversity, like by trying to like fix all their problems Mm -hmm. and not like allow them to see the hard things in life. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is like what we can do for them is allowing them to experience those things Mm -hmm. for them to develop empathy Mm -hmm. for them to want to give back. Which yeah. I thought was kind of an interesting take on it. That wasn't yeah. what I expected to hear in terms of how do you cultivate giving is not yeah. letting them have adversity. Yeah. You know, like that was an interesting jump for me. Wait, her, it was to not have adversity, adversity no, it, or to have it. To allow to them have. to experience yes. adversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not running interference to where you're yeah. like protecting your kid from every yeah. hurt feeling, from every disappointment, from every <laughs> failure. It's like you need to let them feel those things so that they can then yeah. be empathetic and yeah. want to help other people. My my kids hear all the time. Well, that that's tough, and I feel really bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Not in a sarcastic tone, right, right, right. I, and you know it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. There's a speech that Justice John Roberts once gave to his kids' ninth grade graduation. I don't have it on me, but if you get a minute, it's really good because he basically agrees that adversity helps breed compassion. And so he wrote this speech for his son, and it was all about basically how he hopes his son's class experiences adversity so that it will grow their empathy and allow them yeah. to see kind of all aspects yeah. of of the world. It was I mean, really- I don't I think growing empathy is one one aspect, but also it like grows your resiliency. There's so many things that just facing adversity can do for you. Right. It builds so much character. Well, and I'm always saying too, and I think we'll get to this at the end, but like if you're not sure what you're passionate about or what you want to give to, just mm-hmm. look at your own life experiences because mm-hmm. you can usually pull from something that really impacted you. Yeah. And then and then go from there. So yeah. do you think that your cancer exper- diagnosis made you more compassionate? 
Yeah. I mean, just like I was saying, if anybody comes up with any kind of send a Venmo to me so that I can get them a bunch of meals, like my husband and I immediately say yes to all of those because we've been in that same situation. And mm-hmm. I think what it did was just show us adversity or not show it did show us adversity, but it showed us compassion towards those situations because we were right there. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But before we jump into the science of philanthropy, you want to do boobs in the news? Yes. All right. Boobs in the news is a funny segment where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Okay. So remember the ice bucket challenge? Yeah. Okay. It was ALS. It was like huge. Oh, okay. Did you do ever do one? Yeah, we did one. with. Well, we made my mom do it. Which was super fun. I did one. I was actually pregnant when I did it with Piper. That's (laughs) seven years ago. Holy cow, that was a long time ago. Okay. So regardless of your feelings on the ice bucket challenge, this story comes out of Kentucky. Okay. Is this recent or is this just something you found? Well, obviously a long time ago because this was when the ice bucket challenge was a thing. Oh, okay. So Kentucky firefighters were injured in an ice bucket challenge that went awry. The ladder bucket... They'd been using to dump water on college students taking part in the challenge got too close to a power line. (gasps) Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Two firefighters were seriously injured by an electrical shock. Injured, which is, I'm glad to hear, and not I was going to say, we would not read this if it was dead. Yeah. Two others were hurt when they climbed the ladder to aid the injured firefighters. (laughs) That stinks. So... I mean, I don't. I, it's, so, are it you stinks, talking about the bucket that they ride yeah, up in? That, first of all, I was thinking the college students are kind of the boob because they were literally going to allow a fire truck bucket to dump that much ice water on their heads. That's a lot. Well, you think the students are the boob in that scenario, and not the people that well, are yeah, trained. Also, also <laughs> the people controlling the ladder and the guys. I mean, there's lots of boobs in this situation, but I man, mean, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm go glad with the... they weren't seriously injured i'm gonna go with the the people who are trained to avoid you know injury like maybe they're responsible in that scenario yeah probably. so so you're saying that they had a bucket like that they used to get into places full of water and they've got near a telephone line yes so and basically, like you know, you like, know on a ladder truck the big the big ladder that comes up and then they rescue people from the top floor mm-hmm. it's the bucket that was yeah. on top that so the they person had water stands in that in. yeah and then they, so I'm trying to think. Unless like, there was a guy holding another bucket inside the bucket. Either way. So yeah, he, he touches lot. the power line. He's holding water. He gets an electric shock. Mm-hmm. There, so there must have, those buckets must be big if there were two guys up there. Yeah. So they were going to do it from a, a very high height, too. They were going to yeah. pour that over the side from a very high height. because you're That up would in, hurt. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. going to feel like cement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. call boobs on the fire department. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was that, I'm was, usually, that was probably not the best I'm choice. a huge supporter of first responders, but I'm going to say that the college... I'm married to one. Right. I'm going to say the college <laughs> students were drunk and that the firefighters should have probably known better. <laughs> Said no. Yes. Just All right. say no to throwing ice on your friends. <laughs> From a distance near yes. power lines. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There's, your, There's boobs. your boobs. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. All right, so let's talk about the science behind giving because researchers have been looking at the benefits of generosity forever, and they keep finding that guess what? It this, makes it, it makes, makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. Nice. It releases dopamine and endorphins, like is like feel good ones, right? Yep. The feel good hormones, right? They mm-hmm. they make you feel serene, 
peaceful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I find. I find when my focus is inward at mm-hmm. myself, I get very anxious. Mm-hmm. But when I focus on other people, I mm-hmm. just feel peaceful and I feel happy and I feel like I'm contributing. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels yucky to be it's, self-absorbed. It gives you, I mean, you don't even have to see the person, but you you get this sense of connection knowing that you help them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, that, I mean, this is me doing my PSA about why I don't like social media, but I feel like social media is so self-absorbed and that's why I don't like it. Yeah, but it's so funny because I find all the my ways to give are usually are found Through on social, social media. media. I yeah. know. It's a double-edged, double-edged. sword. <laughs> I mean, you just have to think about how you're using it. Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. But sociologists have found that being generous reduces stress. It makes you happier. You actually live longer. It counters depression. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, it helps the person that you're doing it for. Right. But I just don't know that philanthropy is something people think of as a holistic measure to take when you've been through something like hard mm-hmm. to like make yourself feel better. Do yeah. you think that that's somebody's? Go- yeah, because I think if you if you find yourself in a place where you're like, I, I have the means to give, I want to give, but you don't know where or through what avenue or to whom you would like to give. Yeah. So, I mean, I touched on this, yeah. but like if you're sitting there going, because I, I actually, before I got breast cancer, I felt this way. I'd be like, I want to be really passionate about a cause. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that cause? And every, I mean, I would give to this and I would give to that, but mm-hmm. I never felt like passionate about it. Yeah. And something that I would just encourage you, if that's something that you're, you know, feeling is like, look back at your life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I kind of joke and say, like, you don't have to look any farther than the gift of trauma, yeah. you know? <laughs> but like sometimes it's the thing that impacted you the most that's going to be your biggest gift to somebody else is that mm-hmm. understanding right yeah so yeah. like 70 percent of adults in the u.s have experienced some type of traumatic event mm-hmm. which is like 200 that's a lot 223 million people yeah so i feel like there's two kinds of survivors right there's the kind that are like i want to help the breast cancer cause and then there's the kind that's like i never want to talk about this again yep they want to close the door and never and never open it again yeah so what kind, what kind are you? Well, I started as the kind of person that was like, I never want to talk about this again. Mm. And, and I, then you started a nonprofit. Right. I mean, but but I and I kind of wasn't super keen on the idea because I knew how hard it was going to be. And I knew that it would also like to immerse myself in the saddest thing that ever happened to me mm-hmm. doesn't in- immediately sound appealing. Yeah. I very quickly realized that it does feel good to help people go through the same thing you went through. Yeah. That's why there's that saying, make your pain your purpose. Oh, yeah. Very good. I didn't yeah. think about that. I know I know you've said in the past that you always knew that you wanted to give back to the cause once you were done. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that was always For in the sure. back of your mind. You just had to figure it out a way and then I yeah. dragged you. I dragged you into faith through fire. <laughs> yeah. Not kicking and screaming. No. Willingly. No, no willingly. I did not <laughs> coerce her people. Yes. So, you know, just something to think about. If you want to identify a way to give back, maybe they're, you know, you just look back at some, you know, I mean, I've talked to people who, you know, struggled with eating disorders Mm -hmm. or who, you know, dealt with homelessness or Mm -hmm. had a, you know, had a relative that was mentally ill. It's Mm -hmm. like, those are all good ways to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, how you can give back to those communities and really make a difference. Yep, for sure. Before we close this episode, let's hear from our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit Innsbruck.com. 
And we are back. So what do we want people to know about philanthropy and how it, well, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about how it con- connects with quality of life. Yeah. I mean, what I, do we want them to know about Faith Through Fire? Well, I mean, at Faith Through Fire, I, I always tell everybody we are cultivating a radical culture of giving. When you go through breast cancer, the reason you have a mentor to guide you or a child has a bear to cuddle or you have this podcast to listen to (laughs) is because other survivors have stepped up to use their experience to make your burden just a little bit lighter. If you are listening to this episode right now and would like to support our mission to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path towards thriving, please consider donating at faiththroughfire.org. If everyone listening to this were to donate $50, we could meet our entire budget for one year in one day. That's a pretty thrilling prospect and entirely possible with the support of those who understand why our programming is so important. By donating, you also let us know who is listening and that allows us to connect beyond just the podcast. Yeah, I... I would love to to be able to connect with the people that listen to this podcast. For We're sure. always looking for ways to do that. So yeah. we, we want to thank you guys for your support. And until next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmes. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. 